This is Work of the Beat. It is Friday, February 26, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. As we get you set for another weekend, as a lot of things going on here as uh, we head towards March Madness, a lot of things on the COVID front, especially when you uh, look at what's going on. So today we want to talk to, a, a, a we're bringing in our voice, and it's uh, Congressman Brendan Boyle uh, from up here in Northeast Philadelphia. Uh, he is uh, on the House uh a member of the House, a Democrat. We're talking to him, though, because he's a huge sports fan. And I want to ask him a couple of the questions about some of the aspects with COVID reopening. Obviously, Philadelphia has announced that uh, there's going to be some reopening with COVID stuff coming on in the next couple of weeks. And so uh, we'll talk to him and uh, we'll get his opinion as we move forward. So let's get right into it. Uh, it's Congressman Brandon Boyle coming up next here on Working the Beat. Well, it's not often we, yeah, we have people on remotes when we do this podcast a lot, but it's very rare we get them from Capitol Hill. So uh, joining us now, because he's a huge sports fan, and I've, I've talked to him a lot over the years on Twitter. With, and he's a Northeast Philly guy. He's a Northeast so. Philly guy. He went to Cardinal Doherty. He may have thrown a, 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 a can at my head back in 1992 no at the Balestra. No comment. Yeah, you, poor, you poor Catholic people just took and, it out on each other all the time. I don't understand that. Why you all couldn't get along? Andy's, Andy's a Notre Dame grad, which is like a double thing for me because it's like the school I always wanted to go to, but my grades never afforded me that chance. Uh, uh, the representative... Uh, Brendan Boyle is joining us here on Work of the Beat. Brendan, how are you? Yeah, it's it's Congressman. How are you, guys? Um, a big fan, big fan of both of you. I've obviously followed you for for many years, so it's great. Uh, this has been the part. It's not necessarily the most important part of my day because what we're going to vote on a little bit later, but is absolutely the part of the day I've been looking forward to the most. Could, could, could you tell people, Congressman, the, the historic nature of this day that you were explaining to Kevin and I before we went on? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, part of why I was literally running off the House floor to get back to talk to you guys is we're in the middle of doing all of these votes that will culminate some point this evening or tonight in passing the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, uh, which will be the second largest size bill to ever pass Congress um, and, you know, probably the most significant economic pass uh, economic package since at least the Great Recession, but probably ever. Um, so it's it's a really historic day and uh, will be some point tonight when we finally pass it. First of all, I want to tell the listeners, this is going to be mainly politics free. Now, we have to hit some political notes, uh, uh, some questions involving COVID and sports, and we're going to get to that in, in a second. But your background with sports, I mean, I, I know, especially Eagles, you're a huge Eagle fan. You're a huge Phillies fan. Kind of where did that grow for you when you were growing up? And they're the two teams that stink. Yes, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I I will say I'm a four for four. I okay, mean, good. Grew up, I grew up, uh, so I grew up in the 1980s, Phillies, Eagles, Flyers, 76ers, and Notre Dame. And that I from very early on, those were my teams, and I've stayed loyal to that all the way through. All the years, the Phillies absolutely were horrible growing up when we could go down to the vet $5 was the 700 level. If you paid $1 more, you got to the 600 level. Um, when I was growing up between 1984 and I think 1999, the Phillies only had, I think, one or two winning years. 93. That was it. Was one other, and maybe, and that, I think that was it. I yeah. think they maybe they had one year they went 81 and 81. 
but basically only had one winning year most of, of my growing up because people were still remembering the you know the late seventies early eighties. Of course, it was all the crap teams that I that I you know grew up with, um, and then the Flyers having the playoff runs but never quite winning the cup, um, and then you know the the tail end of the Sixers after eighty three still a Dr. J. Barkley came on the awful trade on on draft day eighty six that kind of ended that era, um, and and uh, and then of course the Eagles, um, you know the great Buddy Ryan years. I mean I. For me, the, the late 80s with Buddy Ryan, and even though we never won a playoff game, I still I am one of those typical Philly fans that when I think of... You worship Buddy. Most excited that I've been emotionally uh, invested in a team, those Buddy Ryan teams of, of the late 80s. So, but I mean, but you, got to see, you got to see a national title in 88. I, yeah, I did for Notre, for Notre Dame. I still remember. I remember the very next morning, WIP playing the Notre Dame fight song. And me and my brother jumping up and down, excited. Um, and I remember you beat, I you beat Major ha- Major Harris in the Fiesta Bowl. Yes. Yep. Uh, that year, Notre that year Notre Dame beat the ranked number one, two, three, and four teams in the country in order to win that national title. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question I have for later. Now, should they join a conference? I've I've always been a big proponent of staying an independent. Um, now this year, because of COVID, if they didn't join the ACC, they literally wouldn't have had a football schedule. Right. So I, I think this year it worked out pretty well. Um, I have to admit, even for myself, I, I was a little more excited than I realized I would be with them, you know, playing in, in a conference championship game. Um, so I'm not, I used to be a hundred percent opposed to it. I would say I'm like 80, 90% opposed to it because for me, Notre Dame is at its best when it's playing a national schedule. And that means the freedom to play USC, to play one or two Big Ten teams a year, to go play teams in the South, to play Boston College, to play Navy. So if Notre Dame were ever able to join a conference, uh, or it had to because the whole structure of college football kind of forced it, I think it would be the ACC because ACC is kind of the one that comes the closest to not just having one geographic footprint. Like I always thought the Big Ten, uh, and I was a student at Notre Dame when they were officially invited to join the Big Ten. Right. I was adamantly opposed to joining the Big Ten because even though Notre Dame is physically located in the Midwest, they're not just a Midwest school. And in so many ways, Notre Dame is a much better fit with those ACC schools well, than they and, are with the big state you know, universities of, of the Midwest. And from so, a football standpoint, it opens you up into the South, which gets you better recruiting. And you right. can still play right now the way it is the two California teams in Stanford and, and USC, exactly. which allows you to recruit out there. But the right only now, thing I don't I don't see why we would change from the way it is the way it is with the ACC right now. Yeah, Mike. The only thing is, if you did join the Big Ten, and I get everything you said, but you'd have Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, um, some of those teams who were traditional rivals for many years, and they were good games that are kind of in jeopardy right now. Yeah. And like to me, the Michigan Notre Dame game every year was something I look forward to. Yeah. That, now, as I also look forward to the USC game. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to the to you know Stanford. the Navy game. It, it's a hard thing, but man, that those those games, we you know it didn't get any much better than Michigan Notre Dame. No, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Brent, Brendan. No, I was gonna say. I mean, I for me having that maximum schedule flexibility. Unfortunately, because the ACC requires us to play those five games, mm-hmm. the Big East. It, if the Big East would have been able to stay around, and Notre Dame had its bowl tie-in with that. 
they only had to play three Big East games, which is what would enable us to play three Big Ten teams a year. Now that's been cut back to one. I, I think that's a shame. But if we were ever in a conference that required eight, nine games, I don't see how we could play USC, Navy, you know, a team from the Big 12 or somewhere in the South every year. Right. That um, kind of, indep- that uh, you know, neutral site game that we do. It just wouldn't work out with a 12-game schedule. Brent, Brendan, let me ask. There's actually breaking news that's happened here. Uh, Philadelphia Health Commissioner Thomas Farley. I know it's a federal level and a local level, so I'm, I understand this, but I want to get your answer and reaction. Thomas Farley announced that the city would up it to the Pennsylvania limit for indoor and outdoor uh, seating. 500 on the indoor front. So it looks like nobody, Wells Fargo Center has just put a statement out pretty much saying that no fans yet because of the amount of people who would have to be in the building for services. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're at a point right now where all the numbers are dropping on the COVID front, which is good. But are I just want to get your opinion as a lawmaker and as a fan kind of, how quick should we go on opening up Citizens Bank Park, Wells Fargo Center, and all that uh, for fans to, to reenter this year? Yeah, so first, and I mean, I, I have briefings with all of these top experts. No one definitively knows. So anyone who, who speaks with 100% assuredness um, is either fooling himself or attempting to fool others. If you talk to Professor Ulsterholm or Dr. Fauci or any of the CDC officials, they always add a ton of caveats. Now, right now, the numbers have dropped uh, precipitously, as we've seen, which is great news. I mean, the numbers of infections, as well as the number of, of deaths. And hospitalizations. Yeah, and death number tends to be a, a lagging indicator right. of where we are on, on cases. Um, the good news about the vaccinations, because uh, you have both the vaccines and the vaccinations. The fact there are more vaccines coming online, and then we're upping production of vaccinations, and then getting it to the end user, getting into people's shoulders. All of that is going um, much better than where we were just 30, 45 days ago. So, so I think there's real reason for optimism. That said, um, it is really hard to say where we will be 30, 45 days from now. I'm pretty optimistic that, say, for Citizen Bank Park, because it's large enough and outside, that we will have fans at Phillies games. I don't know if, I mean, looking at the date here, we got about six, what, five weeks to opening day, maybe? Uh, it's April 1st, so, yeah. So, yeah, five, so, oh, so roughly five a month, weeks right. to opening day. I think, I would think we would have some fans there at Citizens Bank Park. I'm more optimistic about Phillies, and I'm especially optimistic when it comes to football season in, in the fall. I'm more optimistic about them than I am about the Flyers and 76ers simply because of the whole outdoor-indoor difference, which is huge right now. I, I mean, the sort of difference that that makes and the, um, the ventilation, it has been a massive and sometimes uh, underreported difference in uh, what causes the spread of this. For, from an economic standpoint, with what you guys are trying to do in Washington today, when all the dust clears... And we're back to whatever the new normal is, whether that's a year from now, 18 months from now. But how many people that you deal with, let's say in Northeast Philly or and beyond, Philadelphia area, will never come back from this? Because that's what I fear, yeah. that you know some people will survive. They're doing the best they can. What you're trying to do down there is going to help them. But 
realistically, is there going to be a lot of things like if we get into 2022 or 2023 where they're just not going to be there anymore? And we're going to look back and say, hey, remember that deli that used to be there? Remember this store that used to be there? Is, is that a, a real concern or is that just a casualty of war? It's not only a real concern, Mike, it's my number one biggest concern. Okay. And so when people, you might hear the phrase, that's one of these stupid inside baseball uh, phrases that people use, but when they talk about a K-shape recovery, that's exactly what they're talking about. So look, all three of us are able to do our jobs via Zoom. For us, this whole thing has been an inconvenience. It has sometimes been isolating. But we're still able to do our jobs because we are in essentially the knowledge economy. But if you aren't able to do your work virtually, if you're someone like my dad who used to be a janitor on the Broad Street line for SEPTA, if you are um, in a restaurant, um, this this hasn't been a recession. This has been a full-blown depression. I mean, a big reason why I'm so supportive of getting as much aid to people right now is, is just because of how devastating this has been in for certain industries, especially hospitality. Um, And yeah, I'm very concerned, and I know a couple of them, local restaurant owners um, that have been devastated because of this, they've gone under. Um, I'm a supporter of it, not to get too much in politics, but something called the Restaurants Act would be a bailout specifically for that industry. And I know the word, even the term bailout obviously has a stigma to it, but if government is forcing you to close because of, for understandable reasons, to stop the spread of a deadly virus that's killed half a million people. But if government is forcing your business to close, then in my view, government also has an obligation to make you whole. Um, But even despite our efforts to make people whole, I think there will still be people, let's be realistic, who just don't come back economically because of this, or it will take years. And one of the things you have to remember is the amount of lost savings that people have had to dip into. People had, you yeah. know, people have lost jobs having to dip on the four hundred one ks early and, and all that. There's a lot of of that kind of a problem that's going on. Or maybe maybe have lost their insurance. Insurance too. That's the other part. Um, let me on back on the sports end with this on COVID. We've we had Robert Costa on last year from the Washington Post, and he talked about how at that time. Sports was viewed as a symbol to the administration, the Trump administration at that time, of life returning the normal. And they were trying to force it, especially with college football and the NFL, and they knew the importance of that. I know the administration has changed. I know it certainly doesn't trump anything going on, pardon the pun, uh, doesn't supersede anything involving health issues. But is there something to be said when you get crowds back in the buildings again of a return to normalcy for the national psyche at that point? I don't think there's any question about it. Um, and I, and you know, not surprised. So Bob is a good friend of mine, a good Bucks County guy. Yes, he is a, a fellow domer. Um, I think I've had this conversation with him before, ironically about the sort of role that sports play in our lives. And when it was gone for, remember for those initial three, four months when mm-hmm. it was gone, it was such a blow to people, myself included. I felt it. You know, remember on 9-11, 9-11 happened on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Baseball stopped. It didn't come back to the following Monday. Yep. Um, that was, I mean, I still remember Harry Callis coming on air, the return to baseball that following Monday and, and how, how important that was. Um, so baseball especially. 
Um, but I think all the sports have that role in, in American culture. So if we're at a point in which it's opening day, and I would love, uh, I'm biased, but I would love President Biden to throw out the opening pitch at the Phillies. Imagine it's a home opener. Mm-hmm. Have more people there than maybe even we're expecting right now. I think that would provide a, a tremendous lift. And I think the sports continue to play. Not, and I say this not just because I'm a sports fan. I think sports continue to play uh, an incredibly important role in our society. Let me let me uh, transfer the question. Uh, Wentz or Hurts? Who were you? Uh, <laughs> you take know, a stand. <laughs> I, well, well, it doesn't matter if you pick Wentz now. I know. Yeah. I, maybe it's because I've seen, uh, you know, this is where, like, the psyche of the Philadelphia sports fan looms large. I, I, I'm so afraid that Carson Wentz will return to his past glory and I, because in my view, his whole problem is between the years. Yeah. I, I don't understand how someone goes from one of the top rated quarterbacks statistically and in three seasons drops to not even in the top 32. Yeah. I, statistically, from what I've heard, that has never happened before. That is as long as they've been been uh, keeping track of the quarterback rating in the QBR so, area. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, could I see him? totally fixing himself, getting back to form since he probably doesn't have anything physically wrong with him, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, the challenge is, given all that apparently happened, and I have a feeling there's a lot that we still don't know about Mm -hmm. that happened in that building, um, would that have happened in Philadelphia? And it seems like by this point, that if if he is going to return to glory, it wasn't going to happen here. Um, So I think that you were kind of in a situation where so much had happened that you basically had to get rid of him. Um, but I, I would still like to know more about, you know, why they drafted Hertz a year ago. What led up to that? What were the things that were going on, you know, behind the scenes? Um, because I just still don't understand how someone could have that much of a decline when age-wise he is in what should be the prime of his career at 28. Yeah, Mike. Well, he did have he did have a knee injury, yeah. a broken back, back. Yeah, that could concussion. I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't know how much they played into it, how much Hurts getting drafted played into it. Um, I, I, I from what I've heard and read, it seems like he couldn't handle that. Yeah. Aside from the injuries, um, but I guess we'll find out. I don't know. Uh, do you have faith in Howie Roseman to fix it? Um, <laughs> let's give him credit. Howie <laughs> Roseman played an important role in why we won the Super Bowl three years ago. Mm-hmm. But the recent draft picks have obviously left a lot to be desired. Yeah. So I'm excited. I mean, I think what we have the number six pick overall. Yep. In the first round, and then you know we pick up what the Colts sent us, and then depending on on what they do next year, we'll have that conditional either second or first. I, you know, I, I hope that they look more like the early Roseman drafts than the last few years. Uh, let me let me ask you, if you could change one thing in Philadelphia sports, what would it be? Wow, that's a that's boy, that's that's a tough uh, tough question. Only one. Well, let me let me give let me give you my answer. Okay. Yeah. I would put a dome on the link so I could try to get the final four in the Super Bowl here. Would you put it last? Would you put it like Minnesota? Yes, I would. Yeah. And then what I would, it's a shame too, because, you know, when we built um, the link, it was part of, I mean, it was before my time in politics, but it was part of that 
legislation that created the four stadiums, right. the two in Philly and the two in Pittsburgh. Every So many different teams, when they built a new stadium at that point, were able to get a Super Bowl yeah. because of building. We were one of the few cities that didn't get it. I wonder if the cost is now at such a point in which you could do a retractable roof in a way that it would then be able to, uh, you'd be able to compete, compete for those sort of things. So that's, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, but do you have one on your own? I, I will, sir. I'll circle back to that uh, at, at the end. There is, okay. I'm sure there's like 10 million, um, but there isn't one that, that really leaps out to me. Okay. I mean, cause it probably would violate, you know, kind of the premise. If I just said, I want to snap my fingers and finally have <laughs> and like cup for the, for the first time in my lifetime. Um, I mean, that is one that I'm, that I'm kind of dying to see. Can you imagine in the age that we're talking about giving 1.9 trillion in relief of talking about putting a dome on a stadium? Well, that's like, my that's my bill. I don't. Oh no 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 no! It Kevin, doesn't have to be publicly. Is, yeah, privately. What I think I'm the saying whole politics is, of that have changed in terms of public funding for stadiums. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're in a much different place now than like say but, 20 years ago. Like when the Sixers, you know, talked about you know building their thing, and you you were oh. vehemently like opposed to that or opposed but, to the. He's decision. talking me. I get it. In, in this time, yeah, Kevin. In this day and age, I think even talking about things like that now is kind of trivial until we get past this. Yeah. You know, and that's just my opinion. Yeah, what I'd love to see, I'd love to see a dome on uh, the Leah Corps Center um, so they could have played football in there. But, I mean, you know, yeah. um, I, I don't know if we would have got Super Bowl anyway. I think Philadelphia overvalues itself so much in terms of let's get an Olympics. Oh, yeah, let, really, let's do that. Let, and we'll have oh. surfing in Atlantic City. Or we'll have, it's I mean, a, Mike, it's okay to Cup, dream. Be, but the World Cup will be the next thing now. Wow, well, yeah. let's get, you know, because 2026, we want to get all the all-star games here. And I get yeah. that. It's the right. 250th yeah. anniversary. Yeah. But I think we got to calm down a little sometimes. Let me, uh, let me, let me ask you, working in that building in the last month um, since everything happened, what's it like coming into work every day now? Well, I mean, for, you know, even if you forget everything that happened in the last um, six weeks, if, say, I'm walking over here and I have my head down, I'm looking at my iPhone, then I look up and I say, oh, yeah, that's right, because I see all the National Guard. I mean, there's still thousands of National Guard troops here. Mm-hmm. And I'm working in a building that is surrounded by a barbed wire fence. Yeah. So oh, there'll God. be times where I'm just, you know, thinking about all the things that I have, have to do in a given day. And then I look up and I see that, and it's like a, a punch to the gut. So the the, um, the security has been enormous ever since that happened, um, and it's something I never thought I would see in, in the United States of America. Uh, and then also, I mean, there um, this is still a tense, um, pretty bitter place, just on an interpersonal level, right? Sure. Because of you know what you personally experienced. And some folks who, let's be honest, um, fed those flames pretty recklessly that brought the mob here to begin with. How many- I mean, I'm in my office. I'm in the. I'm coming. I'm talking to you from the office where I was barricaded really? for four hours with the lights turned off and electronics silenced, as me and and three staffers in their twenties, you know, had to um, lock ourselves in to protect ourselves because we could hear the mob outside. Well, you mentioned nine 11 before, and I always remember the stories after nine 11 was there was a, there was a point of 
there was a point where bipartisanship became, oh, you know, commonplace for like a couple months. You know, there there was a a goodwill feeling because you all had a shared experience, right? And you're saying that that's not yeah. the example, yeah. exact opposite, exact opposite. Yeah, you know, I'm sad to say. I mean, nine eleven was a very different experience. I mean, obviously, I wasn't here. I right straight out of college at the time. Um, but for the country, it was a unifying experience because the threat was external. Here, 20 years later, we're talking about a completely internal fight. So unfortunately, it's a very different dynamic. Yeah, I wonder, and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying because I'm sure you were scared. A lot of people were scared that day. But what if, God forbid, something had happened to the vice president yeah. or something had happened along those lines? I just wonder how those people would have felt then, like if that would have tipped it over. Because I've asked some friends of mine, I said, well, what would have happened if this would have happened? Like, would you still feel the same way? And I don't think there's an answer because no, because it didn't happen, thank God. But it just strikes me as because only five people died and none of them were in Congress, well, it really wasn't that bad. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I just don't get the logic. You know, I just don't. People have to keep in mind that that if you look at um, look at the timestamp on the videotapes, for whatever reason, the crowd got in on the Senate side before they got in on the House side. Um, Pence, as vice president, means he's the presiding officer of the Senate. Right. He was taken out just two to three minutes before the mob got into the Senate chamber. And Grassley's about um, another 30 seconds, 45 seconds behind him, right? Yeah, and, and Grassley, you know, in his in his 80s is not exactly uh, sprinting yes. uh, away. So, uh, and, and Pence, frankly, even though he had Secret Service protection, it wasn't much. Um, so if you think, well, what would have happened, per your point, if it was three, four minutes the other way? That would have been um, incredibly ugly, and 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 I'm still amazed that more people weren't hurt. That more people I agree were with killed. you, um, Brendan. Do you think, in your heart of hearts, given the people who were storming, that if they had for whatever reason gotten to a Pence or whatever, or Mitch McConnell, or whatever, that something actually would have happened, or do you think at some point people would have said no? Like we, back we, off. we've gone too far back off. Um, no, given what we know, human psychology, the psychology of a mob um, and knowing that it only takes a, a few people, even if 90% would have said, no, right. you know, we'll leave them alone. Yeah. I, I think frankly, it is very likely that something very bad physically would have happened. I mean, it's amazing. Th- this it's crowd a- took an American flag, a flagpole with an American flag on it. And beat a Capitol police officer. Yeah. So if they're willing to do that, um, then I, I think they would have been willing to do anything. By the way, I do have a quick anecdote that involves. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. So I've been here six years. One of the U.S. Capitol police officers who guards right outside um, the House chamber. When I first got here, he introduced himself to me. He said, "Oh yeah, you're from Philly, right? I'm an Eagles fan," and he's the guy who. Um, whenever I'm walking onto the chamber, if I'm using a door where he's stationed, we always talk Eagles. We're talking about the Wentz situation. Um, and so he's someone I've become friends with through 
sports through our love of, of the Eagles, um, when they show that picture of the guns drawn, right. uh, it, when the furniture was moved in front of the center door of the house chamber, with, the same door. With the, the sergeant of arms and, yeah. Yeah, the same door the president walks through for the State of the Union. One of the three officers who's right there with his gun drawn is the officer who, who I'm talking about oh. and is a, a big uh, diehard Eagles fan. And think about this. You, I mean, because I'm not in that building, obviously. You, we take people like that for granted. You know, Kevin's father was a police officer for 20 years. We take them for granted yeah. until a day like that happens, and then they're the last barrier. Yeah. I mean, they're the only thing standing between us and the catastrophe. Yeah. Can, can I can I try to I'm going to try to uplift this a little bit here. OK, <laughs> okay. let's talk. Uh, oh, no, okay. no. Phillies. We're no, not, no, no. Um, don't bring if you're trying to uplift it. Don't talk about the Phillies bullpen. No, no. Uh, I was better just, this year. I was just better. on a call with Joe Girardi. He talked about how great it was. So let's uh, let's see. Let's go see. Sixers. Let's go. Sixers. Yeah. They got it. They got a shot. I, actually, I want to ask you one more thing. Sports. In Congress, and, and yeah, we always hear the stories of sports can bring guys from across the aisle together for good. Do you have a guy you talk sports with who's a Republican? Yes. Who? Yeah, no, that's absolutely absolutely the case. Um, I mean, we haven't been able to be in in the members' gym, you know, because of COVID for the last year. But in the members' gym, um, you basically talk sports, and very little to zero politics gets gets spoken. And so there are guys uh, in there. Gary Palmer, a an Alabama conservative Republican <laughs> who played his freshman year for Alabama football. Okay. He and I go back and forth talking about college football uh, all the time. Did you Another make Republican Did you make a wager on Did you make a wager on the Rose or the, on the on the semifinal with him? Thank God I did not see him in the in the lead up to, uh, to that game. But um, uh, you know, and, and another guy, a conservative Republican from Kentucky. There's a, another congressman who is actually from uh, Illinois, Rodney Davis. Right. One of his really good friends is Jason Worth, and so I met Jason Worth through him. Through him, and he just sent me a, a birthday note, and literally the P.S. on the birthday note was Philly suck. <laughs> so there is. <laughs> There is that sort of camaraderie that, that happens with guys on the other side of the aisle through sports. Are you are you on call here? I just hear the buzzer. I'm, that's letting me know about a vote, but I have about a half hour, so don't worry about it. Okay. Um, finally, I, I mean, I'm going to ask this. You know, there's a Senate election coming up in this state next year. <laughs> uh, there, there's going to be a new mayor in three years. Um, has Have you thought about law? This is the news reporter side of me. Have you thought about a, a, an office beyond what you have now, or are you perfectly content to stay working in, in this district? Yeah, I I, um, I would like to give you guys a scoop, uh, you know, more more than anyone else, but I don't really have any sort of announcement. I mean, I am seriously considering running for the U.S. Senate. Um, I, something at the federal level, you know, I, I think really is the best fit for me, kind of like what I do now. Um, but it's a challenge. I mean, to run statewide when you have a, a young child, uh, my daughter is in first grade, and to commit the next year and a half to a statewide run, um, that is very challenging on a family. So and, it, and it's very contested right now. I mean, there, there's yeah, a couple already. Contested, uh, as well. I mean, I'm no um, stranger to tough fights. I won my state rep seat 
in an upset. I was the first and only Democrat ever to win that state legislative seat. And I won my congressional seat in a major upset against an establishment figure. And when we started off that first poll, we were 32 points behind. So that aspect of it doesn't scare me. In fact, I I would welcome um, a a challenging race. Um, It's really kind of balancing what do I want to do? How do I think I can be most effective? I am now in my fourth term here and on ways and means, even in this COVID bill we're about to pass, a lot of the work that I did went, went into that because we're the committee that wrote most of it. Right. So there's a lot to a lot to consider. But I, I mean, right now, I really appreciate the opportunity to do what I'm doing. Um, I am going to think through the, the Senate decision and over the next couple months, come to a decision. When do you think hey, you would have? Whatever on. happened to that old adage that Northeast Philly was going to secede from Philly? You you uh, could I, lead I, I that. You, you you could become our whatever, our first grand poobah. Yeah, I listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm a Philadelphian through and through. I I, <laughs> I think that I think that effort died a, a couple decades ago and I think it's a good thing it did. Um, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I I will say, uh, you know, you versus Fetterman, I'm sorry. You know, if it's a wrestling match, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, with Lieutenant Governor Stone Cold there. You know, I mean, uh, listen, if 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 it were he and I and it's a wrestling match, I would bet as much money as possible on him. Exactly. Uh, so. uh, well, good luck. Uh, please stay, uh, you know, stay safe. Uh, you know, and thank hey, we got to do it. We got to do this again, Kevin. Yeah, this, this, was fun. this was fun. And I, by the way, I should point out if there's any Republican lawmakers who want to come on and talk sports with us, Absolutely. like, like Let's uh, go. Representative Boyle has, we will gladly have you on as well for yeah. equal time. Would you do an equal time? Like, if it's, oh, it, I would. It, so, and I would even suggest the name, although he's now a former lawmaker. I came in with a guy, Ryan Costello, okay. who, might, who might be running for the Senate uh, as well next year. He's know, a, he yeah. was a Republican congressman from Chester County. He and I both came in together six years ago. We're both the same age. Um, I mean, we, we still talk sports when, you know, when we're, uh, when we're together. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to him. Absolutely. I also like the late Mike Fitzpatrick. I used to run into on sidelines. Uh, I've run into his brother, uh, governor, uh, former governor Schweikert, who I used to run into. And that's always the common theme. You all talk sports when <laughs> like it, it was, yeah. uh, Pat, Pat, uh, Patrick Murphy, obviously bad. another well, one too. Well, Kevin, it's like, it's like when we're at sports events, we don't talk sports. We talk politics. That's true. Cause, cause we, you know, we gotta have, Hey, Brendan, I got to ask you one question because this bugs me a little bit. Uh-oh. I remember like, no, 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 it's nothing. But back in the day when Republicans and Democrats, you know, didn't agree. Tip O'Neill didn't agree with his counterpart on the other side. It always seemed like there was compromise. They, they figured out a way to somehow come into the middle and make it work. And it just seems as this, as we've evolved these last, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't seem like it's a theme anymore. It, it almost seems like, you know, it's you're you know you either vote Democrat or you vote Republican, and if, and if you switch sides, you're somehow uh, you know a bad guy or something. I'm just wondering. I mean, do you have a sense that it's yes. tougher than it was years ago to do that? So, Mike, I I get that question a lot when I do town halls. That question comes up all the time, and usually mm-hmm. it's from the perspective of someone saying, "Hey, I would like to see people you know working together." Mm-hmm. more often than I do. And I always share kind of two observations from you know my time here. Um, the first is more compromise takes place than people realize. Okay. Because actually only a small percentage of the bills we work on get covered. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't, you know, necessarily a knock on the sure. market, but there's only so much oxygen that it's typically like one or two big ticket items that get all the attention. Or if one of my colleagues has tweeted or said something stupid, that will get a lot of attention. But, you know, a pretty important piece of legislation that we're working on in ter- for water safety in Montgomery County and Bucks County, and it's me as a Democrat and a suburban Republican working together, and we just won a big amendment. That won't necessarily, maybe it'll be covered in the Bucks County Courier Times. Maybe it'll get a little mentioned somewhere, but that's not going to be on Fox News or, or MSNBC. So there actually is more compromise than people see. Okay. But here's the second observation. In the incentives have changed when it comes to compromise. Um, in a previous era, when the parties were more diverse ideologically, there was more of an incentive to compromise. Nowadays, those times when I'm working with a Republican member, it's more likely that I will get punished for that electorally than rewarded for it. Yeah. Same goes on their side. Actually, it's even more so on their side. Mm-hmm. But why you've is You've seen Republican members lose primaries. It's typically yeah. because they were working with someone on the other okay. side. So that aspect of it actually has worsened and has changed. Uh, compromise still takes place despite that. Um, but we won't see more compromise until see, we see more voters rewarding that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And, I got you. And, and I think, I think that's one thing it's almost, you know, we've talked about in the media, uh, Congressman, I'm bringing this to you and I know you got to go, but we talk about tribalism, you know, yeah. you're either an MSNBC guy or you're a Fox guy, or you, you know, you, you, you know, you, you go to the, the tribe you go to. And you don't ever want to hear what's going on the other side. And I think that's part of the problem with this, but that's my own. That's why you always say, Kevin, we have to listen to the other guy. Got to listen. Uh, Yep. Congressman, I appreciate it again. I would love to have you back on and uh, good luck and uh, stay safe. Thanks so much. Thanks guys. And we'll be back on work on the beat right after this. Our thanks to Congressman Brendan Boyle for joining us. Just to get a little different perspective. One of the great parts about February is the fact you can look at uh, different things in a different way, get a different viewpoint. Um, and, and I, you know, I was interested because, as I mentioned on there, you know, the city has been capped off now by uh, the release. The release today of 500 is the limit for state indoor events. And so uh, fans will not be going to Wells Fargo center, at least in the interim until the state ups their limit. The city has gone now to the state level um, was the news of the day. Uh, Mike, I, I mean, you know, we're, we're at a year now and um, it's been a long time since any of us went to an event. And I guess the, the two part question is, are we getting to the point where we have to consider opening this, these venues back up? And part two is, would you, I'll ask you as a person, forget a media member or anything. Would you have interest in going back to an event at this point? That's the other part of this no, that we don't know. But see, I'm the wrong, I'm the wrong person to ask. First of all, uh, I didn't know what to expect with Brendan yeah. going in. I, I, he was great. Congress, so, yeah. and I hope we didn't offend. Like, I, th- I hope it wasn't too much of a, of a, of a democratic thing. I mean, I, I, I think your points were well taken. Let's have a Republican guy on. Yeah. We'll have I, a Republican on. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean, I don't like to politicize things except when I get really PO'd. Yeah. And then sometimes, but anyway, 
and to get his perspective on January 6th and not really turning it into a political thing, but just, hey, hey, I was a scared thing. Um, I'm not the kind of person that went, Kevin, I haven't been in the last 20 years or so. Whenever I went to an event, I was usually in a box. Okay. Comcast had a box. So if I went to a, a concert or if I went to a, and I didn't do it very often, maybe once a year, you know, if Elton John was in or Billy Joel was in or, you know, whatever. So I'm not the right person to ask because I, I'm not the guy that goes to the movies, you know, very often. So for me, not being in a movie or not being in a Flyers game, or not, it's not hurting me. I'm watching on TV. I'm doing the same thing I would have normally done. Is it I different think, with the Phillies? Because it's outdoors? I have not been to a Phillies game, Kevin. I'm just trying to think. Oh, you went Live. the year before. They've, you, they've stunk. You, um, went, you went the year before on the uh, Philadelphia Sports Rider night. Okay, but that was different. That, right. that was a Philadelphia Sports. Yes, I would go with you guys every year. Right. Yeah, sure. But I'm just saying, now my grandson's getting to the age. He'll be four this summer. Probably not this summer, maybe next summer. I would say to my son, hey, should we take him to a game? You know, whatever. I have no desire. Because first of all, I'm, I'm down now to get a vaccine next week, my mm-hmm. first one. So until I get the, the second one, I mean, I, I've for a year, I've tried to stay safe. My wife's tried to stay as safe as we can. And I see no need to change that. Even after I get my second vaccine, I'm probably still going to be the guy that wears a mask in a shop, right? Um, I guess. I don't even know if that's the proper protocol or not. But I'm just saying, I have no great desire to go be at a Sixers game, but but I understand people who do. I understand people that, you know, they went to 15 Phillies games a year or they went to, you know, whatever they went to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a drastic part of your life that's been taken away from you. And, yeah, we want to go back. I still think this year, as far as the Flyers and the Sixers go, I think it probably isn't going to happen. Or if it happens, it's going to be very limited. I think as the Philly season, when it starts, it won't be happening. But as we get to July and August, and a lot of people have been vaccinated, I think you'll see it open up, you know, to what degree? I don't know. 10,000 people, you know, and, and does that make a big enough difference? I mean, it makes some difference, right? I mean, if you're Bryce Harper and you show up at the, at the stadium and there's 8,000 people there, yeah, I think that would be a good feeling for a player, especially if you're going somewhere like we saw in football where if the, Philly, the Eagles went to Dallas, there was going to be 20,000 people as opposed to nobody in your stadium. So I really think we won't see normalcy to that degree until the 2020. 122 seasons start. Well, it, it, let me give you, you know. this statement. Wells Fargo Center put out a, a statement. This is Valerie Camillo, who's the president of business operations for the Flyers in the building. We're working day and night to ensure to, we could safely welcome fans back to Wells Fargo Center as soon as possible. We're encouraged by the city's announcement today to align with the state's permitted capacities. Welcoming back, fans back to Wells Fargo Center will require more than 500 employees in the arena. So we're not able to do that with our capacity limit to only 500, but we're in direct communication with the city and state officials to determine if we could further increase our capacity and welcome fans in the arena. You know, and I think what you're saying is fair. I mean, you know, if you didn't have a tolerance for it before, you really aren't going to be wanting to go now. I'm at the point, like I went to spring training last year before all this happened. Okay. And I went with my stepson and all that. And, I have to admit when I was down there and it was this time last year, it was the first week in March and it was nerve wracking. 
you know, because you saw people in masks and you saw it was before we really got going with everything. <laughs> and you realized, I think even looking around, I think I've told this story on the podcast. I looked around actually at all the people wearing masks and we had taken the train down and we had sat in coach. And I looked at all the people with masks and the surge levels that were going through Florida at that point. And I immediately like booked us like a, a sleeper car just to make sure that we didn't have any contact that we were able to kind of self-isolate at that point. And it was like basically our tax refund, but that's what happened. And the, the idea is, would I, as a fan now go back? I would wait probably a little bit into June or July, see how the rollout's going and, and, and check. But, but I'm getting that itch. I got to admit, you know, but I, but I guess what I'm saying, Kevin is if I never went to a Phillies game again, Right. Or, or any live sporting event the rest of my life, it wouldn't kill me. Now, I've got a grandson now, so like I said, you know, at some point, yes. But I'm just saying, me personally, if you said, Mike, you know, that's never going to happen. You're going to watch the games on TV. Oh, okay, that's what I've been doing most of my adult life, But um, other than being a reporter. If you said to me, Mike, uh, like let's say a month from now, two months from now, Mike, I got four tickets. Uh, do you want to go to the game with me? I don't know what my answer would be. I mean, part of me would want to say, hey, yeah, we'll go. We'll have a good time. Like, a friend of mine just let me know he's got a um, – and, and he's one of those guys. He likes to get out. You know, he wants to do All some right. things. Not necessarily games, but casinos, things like that. So he's got a room uh, some week in March. I think the first week of the tournament or the second week of the tournament because I'm losing track of my days now. And he said, hey, anybody that wants to come down, come down. We have a room down there. Is this a guy in Florida? What? Is this a guy in Florida? No, it, it's Eddie Barkowitz. Oh, okay. Like I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I thought I thought it was. It might have been TL. If you. Oh know. no 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 no. This is Eddie, and Eddie's done this before. Eddie, every year, Eddie will go down there for like usually the first weekend. Um, and you know, you, you I have no desire to do that. The the next biggest thing on my list personally is Myrtle Beach, the end of June. Mm-hmm. My wife's best friend. We didn't go last year. They went and they only stayed for like two days because that's when the Jersey governor said you have to get back in to Jersey or, you know, all hell is going to break loose. Um, and we are hoping beyond hope that we are going to go down and spend a week in Myrtle Beach. And I will guarantee you that I will still probably wear a mask at some parts, not like I'm not to the pool or whatever, but because I know people in Myrtle Beach haven't really been like we have, um, you know, anyway. But even after I get my vaccine, and maybe that's stupid because maybe I'm not supposed to think that way, but I'm just saying that's the, the next thing on my radar is that. Um, and that's still, what, uh, almost four months away. You said last week um, in March? Uh, last week, last in week in June. Yeah, the week le- leading into, into July 4th, which I think is on a Sunday this year. So yeah, that's uh, what I'm shooting for. That's my shooting point. Um, like, I'm supposed to go to a golf now this weekend um, for a friend's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been to a golf now. And I looked at my wife. I said, look, do you, you, know, do you want to go? Do we, you, you know, we're going down to visit my daughter tomorrow and bought their new house in Baltimore. And my daughter was like, well, do you want to go out and get, I said, Melissa, we haven't been out to, to a restaurant in a year, basically. So I'm, I'm not going to tempt fate now. Right. Like why, why would I tempt fate if I've waited all this time? I would, um, well, but, by the way, I, know, I asked that because, my wife and I were actually trying to plan vacation last night and um, right. We've kicked around a couple ideas 
for the last week in June, and one of them is Myrtle Beach. So I know where to. Yeah, I know you were talking. You, you were talking to me about it. Yeah. Um, the, we, so the same time I'm going to be down there. It, it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Myrtle I, Beach. I, that may, I know that may that in, may totally change my plans now, but that's a whole different I, story. I know people in Florida who've said to me that Florida, you know, and they've said it. I've had people on both sides of the equation. Some people say, hey, good for us. You know, and other people were like kind of horrified by it. But, you know, and, and it, you know, I remember when Keith Pompey went to, to Orlando mm-hmm. and he said he was taken aback by did, didn't the, the Sixers coach said that, right? Yeah. Th- he came in and like nobody's wearing, you know, masks. Mask. Things. So different parts of the country have treated this differently. Myrtle Beach. I remember my wife's friend went down there and somebody hollered at her for wearing a mask. Right. And she was horrified by it. Like, you know, but, but anyway. Uh, I think by June, if I've had my shot, obviously my wife's had her shot, you know, I, I'm going to need to get away. And, you know, but I'm, I guarantee you the first night that I stay in a hotel room or, you know, whatever. But I guess if I've had the vaccine, I, I'm not really supposed to worry. Right. Is that the way? Well, this no, works? if you have a vaccine, you're supposed to be careful. But, but can I get it? Can I can I still get covid? The, the word is, if you have the vaccine, what it does is it eliminates the dangerous side effects or the dangerous okay. effects. Okay. You can okay. still be a carrier of it to others, though. I got you. And I don't want to be that. I right. don't want to be a carrier to others. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean, when I go to Myrtle, if, if we go make it to Myrtle Beach, let's just say we do. I'm going to I'm not going to walk around like on eggshells. No. You know, I'm, I'm going to go golfing. Well, and, I'm going to, I'm, and, and the other place. Bess and I were thinking about taking our stepdaughter is Disney World. And I have friends that live in Orlando and, and her, her husband works for Disney. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure Disney's taking every precaution yeah. humanly possible. Like um, staying, you know, the rates are still pretty expensive down there, too. But and a lot of this stuff is Disney, been, Kevin. I know it's Disney. They're not they're not going to. Yeah. And the summertime is is their busy time because families go. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you know, I'm a Myrtle Beach person, but I like Disney. So, I you know, I've been to both. I've been to both many times. Um, yeah, and one's easier to get to. But, uh, you know, eventually we have to get back. You know, I'm supposed to go to Ireland in late July. That, whether I'm going to make that or not. Who the hell knows? Could uh, depend on Ireland. Could. Might have nothing to do with me. Do I want to get on an airplane? I'm not sure. I haven't even thought about it, to be honest with well, you. That, that's a non-starter for us. That, that, what do you mean? We're not getting on an airplane. We're just not. Okay. Yeah, But I, I'm I, not I, a comfortable I, flyer anyway, so it doesn't matter. Like, okay. even the years but, when I did baseball, I was not a great flyer. I did it, but I didn't. Oh, like I hear. It. Okay, I didn't realize that. But, but I'm saying the only way I'm getting to Ireland is to get on a plane. Right. So. Um, yeah, you can't swim. Uh, you know, it's just whatever. Right? But but I don't know. I haven't gotten that far down in, in the equation yet of, of, you know. And then my wife and I had also talked about, because the people that we rent the house from in down the shore, they're not renting again, I guess, because I haven't heard from them. They're older people. I hope they're doing okay. I haven't mm-hmm. talked to them in a while. Um, I have a friend who has a house, and I also have a friend that I could go visit because he lives there, and he's told us all the time. He goes, but we may go back to Myrtle Beach in August. I already said to my wife, I said, look, if we go down and – Legion, and, and we want to go somewhere else in August. Would you want to go back to Myrtle? And she was like, yeah. yeah. So, 
We're, everything that I'm planning right now, Kevin, is kind of like... Oh, um, I got five places right now that I'm planning trips for, and I don't know where we're going to end up. Yeah. But, I mean, and that's I, how, I, I just want to get of, away, but it's... Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I have to get away. Yeah. If I, if, if I go a second straight summer, and now I'm starting to sound like the people who say, I got to go to a bar. Right. I, I mean, I don't mean it that way. If, God forbid, we didn't get anywhere this year, which I doubt, you know, we're going to make day trips to the shore. We'll, we'll, we'll do things. But, um, you know, life will go on. But, I mean, I'm just at the point where, because we were always the kind of people that went on, like, three vacations a year. You know, it's Myrtle Beach, the shore, somewhere else. And to not, like, the last time we were away was August of 2019 mm-hmm. to Bermuda for her birthday. Uh, so, who knows? I, I, I just well, I got to get back. World. Well, the one thing well, I want to ask you a question. Do you think by football season? Yes. But how many? How many people in the link for the Eagles' first home game? Sixty percent. Okay, so you don't think it'll be full? No, I think it'll be going that way. I think 30, 30, 30, 35,000? Maybe forty, yeah. Okay, will that change by December? Depends on the vaccine numbers and herd immunity, I would think. Okay. Okay. I mean there's there's stories there's stories out now about perhaps haven't heard of Muti by July. Like, I think next year, college football and, and NFL seasons will look more normal, much more normal than they look right now. But that's me. Um, Yeah, I'm still of the belief, and I think you're right, but I'm still of the belief that we won't be where we were before the pandemic until, until like, 2022 spring training. That's possible, too. And March Madness. Like, anything that would be happening in 2022 – uh, after New Year's, like you know, it, I think we'll be pretty much where we were in February of 2020. Right. Let me uh, let's move on to a couple other topics. Um, the NCAA tournament. Well, we're less than a, two weeks away from a from a, a championship week um, or champ week, I guess they call it now. Um, the NCAA has announced that they will have four teams. The last four teams left out of the NCAA tournament will be held as a reserve in case teams cannot participate in the NCAA tournament. So they'll be basically be the standby teams. There is no NIT this year, is that? No, there, I believe there is an NIT. Okay, because I'm saying those four teams normally would go to the NIT. The NIT, they would be held back, I think, from the NIT to go play in the NCAAs. Because they would probably be the favorites in the NIT. You would think. Yeah. Uh, that's that's interesting. I mean, you know, I wonder if you're one of those teams and then you don't get into the NCAA because nobody gets sick and then they're having an NIT without you that you might have been able to play five games and go to New York. Mm-hmm. I, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it, the question is, it's a soft bubble right now. I don't I don't think, you know, it's funny. I was doing some stuff this weekend or, or earlier in the week and you look at it like a team like Xavier's 12 and 5. And Xavier had a huge amount of COVID issues, and they're on Lenardi's last four in, but they lost like the St. John's this week. Who, or I'm sorry, they lost the Providence this week, who's on the outside right now. Um, there's not a lot of teams who, uh, who I think are. are I'm not sure we're going to have the the biggest question could be Michigan State and Duke, who are looking to play themselves in after basically taking the first th- three months of the season off. Well, here's like it's funny because Dick Girardi called me the other day, and apparently Parks Casino 
once Dick and I, or I guess they asked Dick and Dick asked me, whatever. And we did this before one year, but to go up, I think for like four Saturdays, not this Saturday, but I think starting next week, we're going to be up there on like, I think Saturday mornings for like an hour talking college basketball. And I said to Dick, I said, God, honest to God, I got to catch up because I, I really haven't paid. It's like kind of like the college football season. No, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I read Joe Lenardi stuff. So I try to pay attention, but you wonder if you're on the selection committee, how are you going to treat COVID? You know, how are you going to treat, are all 14 and seven teams going to be treated equal? Yeah. You know, if one team missed three weeks, um, I don't know. I, 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 I you know, is it, I, I cannot imagine Duke not being in, but, you know, uh, Carolina was making a, a, a move and then they lost the other night to Marquette. Well, um, I, I can I can tell you right now, Lenardi's last four or first four out has Minnesota, Stanford, Richmond, and Michigan State. Next four out has Duke in. But if Duke and Michigan State keep playing the way they are, they're going to get in over Colorado State and UConn. Well, we're Indiana. We're making, well, we're making that assumption, but I'm sure there's a reason why Joe has them where he has them. And I'm not going to tell you I'm the expert that I'm sitting there and I know everybody's. You know, I used to say RPI all the time, whatever it is now, net, right, or whatever. Um, and, and all this talk, well, you can't have a tournament without Duke. Well, sure you can. And, you know, especially before. this year, you can have a tournament without anybody. But I don't know, like, this year I think there's probably, you could probably put the last eight teams in and the first eight teams out, and they're probably all about equal. I don't, you know, in most years they are anyway also. But this year more than any year, you know, because there wasn't a lot of interconference games. There wasn't, you know, teams were missing times. Uh, look, to me, right now, there's like Baylor and Gonzaga are the best two teams. They've been now. Does that mean they're going to win or get to the Final Four? No, I don't know what it means. No, but Michigan, I would, Michigan, Michigan would be the next. Michigan is the third best team. Yeah, I agree. And, and I was talking to Dick the other day, and Dick said he thinks the Big Ten's overrated. And he thinks Michigan's easily the best team in the Big Ten. But he, he said the Big Ten, because everybody's talking about the Big Ten being the best league and all this. Okay, fine. Maybe they are. I think college basketball as a whole sucks. I really do. I think the Big East sucks. And Villanova has been carrying the Big East for like five, six years now. And they've been mm-hmm. doing it very well. And I think there are other good – I mean, I think Creighton's a pretty good team. But you look around college basketball, Kevin, and tell me how many – are there 10 really, really, really good teams? I'm not sure. Probably not. Um, and maybe other years it's been the case also. But I remember you, it just seemed like because you always had Kentucky was good or Duke was good or Carolina was good or they were all good. Um, and this year it's just it's 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 well, weird, man. Well, I mean, I mean it, it really is. You know, we look at the one line, and obviously Mike mentioned it, Gonzaga, Bale, or Michigan, they all seem pretty locked into the number one seats. Ohio State's the fourth number one. I don't think Ohio State's that great. So I don't know. So I that, haven't seen but, them in that. Right. And they just lost to Michigan State. Okay. The yeah, two but- the two line is Villanova, who's pretty good, but not invincible. And I think we saw that we when we were talking last week to, to Mike Jensen, Mike mentioned that that he thought, you know, Nova was good, not great. Yeah, you know, or, well, or Mike wrote a or column not a final four. Right. Yeah, Mike wrote a column saying that he thinks Villanova can beat anybody. But on a given day, like, you know, they could, he, and he even said, yeah, Gonzaga. I, I'm not sure of that, but Villanova still was one of the best. Five or six. Eight, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say eight to 12. 
Yeah, I, I won't say they're five well, or six. They could be. But I'm just saying, they're like one of the best 10 teams in the country. I think everybody would agree. But what does that mean? Right, and, and this is what I was going to say. Here's the rest of the two line. Illinois, West Virginia, Alabama right now. Yeah, well, but they're there for a reason. Right. You know, I might not quite understand the reason, but that's what Joe does. And- I mean, yeah, I, I mean, so you look at that and you – you then drop down to the next line, and it's Iowa, Houston, Florida State, and Oklahoma. That's not – I mean, Iowa's got guards of the best player. I don't know if they're real good that they can make a run at this thing. I mean, so this is the way it is this year. It's so mixed up. But look I, at this. You have, you have Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, and Carolina, four teams that almost every year are in the discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, one of them usually makes the final four or two of them or whatever. Those four teams, I mean, Kansas is still okay, I guess. Kansas is a four seed now. Right. And if you get a team, let's say for the sake of argument, Duke gets in and they've played well since that, since their big freshman said he wasn't going to play anymore. Would you want to play Duke? No. Like if you're a two seed or a three seed or, well, I guess Duke would probably be like an 11 or a 10 or somewhere. Would you want to play Duke in the first round? No. You know, or the second round? No. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, and the interesting thing, Kevin, is going to be the first weekend of the tournament is always the most fun, usually, because you know there's going to be upsets. Yeah. You just don't know where they're going to happen, you know, but some 12 is going to be to five, some 13 is going to be. This year, I have no clue. Yeah. I have no clue. You know, maybe this is the year where the chalk wins a lot because the chalk is better than, you know, or maybe this year, because the chalk isn't as good, there's going to be even more upsets. I, 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 you know, I mean, Gonzaga looks to be the best team with Baylor. They look to be, and Michigan's been playing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't, I don't know. I, have no, I literally have, you know, no idea. And I think the last thing you want, if you're a high seed, is to see a Michigan State get in or a Duke get in or God forbid a Kentucky if they win the SEC tournament or something, and you got to play one of those teams. I don't think you want to do that, even if they stink. No, I would agree. Um, the but, one thing I do know is there's only one Philadelphia team getting in. Yeah, that will be Villanova. And I would think. I mean, I'm not trying to say none of those other teams can win their conference tourney, but I think it would be asking a lot. It was nice to see Temple win the other night. Because, God, I feel so bad for Aaron. It's been such a, a hard it's been year. A bad year. And St. Joe, now that they got uh, their guy back, Ryan Daly, they've been playing a little bit better. They've had a couple wins. So, you know, maybe things are looking a little bit up. Uh, there's not uh, – yeah, the Sixers, again, towards the All-Star break, you know, they, they'll have Embiid and Simmons at that one. You know, we're going to have so much time to get into. Are they better in the Nets? Didn't, didn't Harris get hurt the other night, last night? Yeah, it was a contusion. He's out tonight, but or he's out okay. their next game, but he, he should be okay, they're saying. Okay, because he's he's obviously been playing well right. for them. For, uh, the Flyers, Jake Voracek returned to practice today. Claude Giroux re- returned, obviously, on Wednesday night, had the three assists. Flyers, yes, he did. Uh, by the way, did you watch any of the uh, Lake Tahoe game? Uh, not really. I watched like bits and drabs of it. And when they, then when they fell behind, I just, you know, I kind of lost interest. The visual, um, was, the visual was great. The hockey was awful. Well, look, you had a team that, that, that in a real world, the Flyers probably shouldn't have even been out there. Yeah, out there. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, that's why things are things happen because of money, and that's you know, and, it, and I felt a little bad for him in her playing the Bruce. I mean, look, the real out reality of this is the Flyers are going to have a tough time getting out of their division, and I'm assuming that they're one of the four in the playoffs. Yeah, which they they're not necessarily guaranteed to be, but. But you have the Islanders, you have Pittsburgh, you have Boston, and you have Washington. And Boston's the one that's looming there that's going to be the real difficult thing for them because well, it's a bad yeah. matchup. Right, but, I mean, they may not play Boston. I mean, you know, there's always that chance. There's always that, that chance, sure. Um, but I'm just saying, Boston right now, look, and Washington looks pretty good, although the Flyers have played Washington fairly well in the last year or so. Um but yeah, I mean, and 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 because we've been talking about how much we were looking forward to the Flyers and taking another step, they may not take another step. Maybe, maybe through no fault of theirs. Um, but you know, they may not get out of that. Uh, they may not make it to the um, third round. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of the way it is. And you know, we may see down the road that the Sixers might not take the next step. Um, depending upon how all that falls. Um. Still a long way to go, but you know, you look at the NBA. It's kind of like we were talking about the NCAA tournament. You could wind up playing a really good team early. Yeah, you could. That that maybe had a bad season, but now kind of has its act together. Um, I mean, Boston might be the biggest disappointment in the whole league. Yeah. But if you're the Sixers, I heard somebody on the radio. It was great. I love I love when people talk like this. It's total Philadelphia. But yeah, let's get let's get the Celtics, man. We'll kick. Well, that's wonderful. Let's get the Celtics. I remember when people say, well, let's get this team. If you're the Sixers and you're the first or second seed, and God forbid you draw the Celtics in the first round, yeah, is that really the team you want to be playing? Nope. Nope. I don't think so. And the Celtics might suck. But I've seen enough Celtics-Sixers games to know that that might not be the best matchup you want. I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid. I don't, yeah. Uh, finally. Before we go, um, obviously the biggest story this week and on Tuesday, it was the biggest story in, in the world was Tiger Woods and um, the car crash in L.A. And, uh, you know, obviously one, thankfully, um, he's he's alive. Uh, you know, as, as Rory McIlroy said, you know, that's the most important thing. You don't worry about the golf. You, you worry about the 10 years, 10 years ago, people were speculating he might not have been. Yeah, because of the cars, because of the engineering that cars have taken in the last ten years. Um, yeah, I don't. Know. You covered Tiger enough, and obviously nobody really got to know Tiger because he he put up a lot of walls. But just uh, I, I almost hate asking it in the way it's going to come out, but to to reflect on what his career has meant to the sport, a and B, his competitive nature, how is it one of those that if anybody can come back from this, it'll be him at 45? Well, the, the problem is that if you if he was a totally healthy 45, he's not. No. Um, he's had five back, sir. I mean, we don't even know. The, the problem with this, Kevin, is first of all, assuming that the, he doesn't run into problems with like an infection, right. like Alex Smith. Apparently, the injury he has to his one ankle, and I don't know if it's a left or the right, but is really serious in terms of playing golf. Right. You know, let, let's just talk walking. Yeah. You know, and being a normal person. Yeah, you know, I think when Ben Hogan had his injury, I, I'm trying to think like how 
Ben was born in 1912, so he would have been like it was 36, 37, right? right. And, and I don't think he had injuries before that. I, I don't think so. Um, you know, and and what he did was miraculous. But basically, he, you know, he was only playing six times a year or five times. A year. I, it, to me, first of all, you just hope that Tiger Woods, you know, a year or two from now is living a quote-unquote normal life. Yeah. Whether that involves golf, I have no idea, whatever. Um, but it would just seem to me that with everything that's happened to him over all these years, it's going to be really, really, really tough for him to come back and be a competitive. Even if this hadn't happened, it might have been tough. Yeah, You know, he wasn't sure he was going to play in the Masters. He wasn't sure he was going no, to play. No, and, and the Nance interview on Sunday made it sound like he was not. I mean, he was not clear in any way. I don't think he even picked up a golf club yet. No. Um, what, what this guy has been through, and that's why I said when he won the Masters in, in 2019, that that might have been one of those, like Jack Nicholas winning at 46. Yeah. You know, it might have just been one of those things. Hey, enjoy it, savor it, but th- this isn't doesn't mean he's going to win two or three more majors. It doesn't mean he won't. just means he might not. And at this point, to me, like golf, forget golf. Golf is, and I know people got to talk about that because there's a golf channel and there's this and there's that. Man, I mean, this could take him a year or two just to even recover from these things. Uh, I, I'm not the doctor. I, I, you know, you know what Alex Smith did to me was r- remarkable. It was m- miraculous, and this almost seems like it's on that level. I, I think. Yeah, I would say you know. The one thing over the holidays, before he had his back surgery anyway, um, he played in the father-son tournament with uh, Charlie, his son. And that was tremendous. It was tremendous. Yes. If he plays golf again, I hope it's only with Charlie at this point. Like, just the the nice walk around. I don't want to say the Muni because Tiger's not playing Munis anymore. But, I mean, you know what I mean. It's it's that it's not competitive. He, He owes nobody anything. At no, this at this point. no, 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 no. Let, let's put it this way, Kevin. Whatever you think of Tiger, and there are people who hate him. There are people yeah. who, who think whatever. That's great. And he wasn't always the most huggable person. He still isn't to a certain degree. He's, he's warm. He's changed a little bit. But now he's a father. He's got two teenagers that he seems like he tries to be a really good father to them. I don't know this. I'll give him every benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. that he did. I gave her something. Um, the, so I'm hoping that that part of his life and whoever his significant other is at this point, that, that, that that part of his life, he never has to, if he never picks up a golf club again, yeah. he's either going to be the greatest player that ever played or the second greatest player that ever played. It, it just depends upon your point of view. I think what he did in his, I've heard both arguments both ways. And I'm okay if you think Jack is and he was second or he is and Jack is second. That's whatever. He's not he's in all likelihood not going to catch Jack for majors. He's tied with Sam Snead for the most wins. And you can make the argument that some of Sam's wins were team events and no. shortened events. I, I don't care. You know, it, it, to me, if you and Sam Snead are mentioned in the same whatever, that's tremendous. Um, but just go be there, you know. Get get your your legs to the point that you can live a life, um, and if that involves golf, that's great. That that's and I think you know, that's awesome, right? And before we if say, it doesn't, it does too. And, and, and know, if it doesn't, I think the one thing I'll say is for a person in his late forties now, I'm forty seven. 
if you come up with the five most influential athletes of your lifetime list, Tiger Woods is on it. Behind, oh, he's high on it. But yeah, behind maybe maybe only behind Ali and Jordan. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, there's some other guys you could throw in there. I mean, you know, you could certainly throw a LeBron in there, maybe even a Kobe, um, maybe a Serena. Yeah, Gretzky. Um, you know, I mean, there's a, there's other people, but because of he he was black in a sport and dominated. I mean, dominated oh, for for a decade, a little over a decade, and was like the, the difference between him and Jack. What I would say is, Jack had a longer period. Jack had two decades, mm-hmm. um, but he wasn't the meteor coming across the sky like Tiger was. You know, and I don't know if that makes a difference in some people's opinion. Um, I didn't see some of Jack's career. I didn't see some of, and Jack was kind of like that guy that people didn't like. He was like, he was like Mike Schmidt. Yeah. When Mike Schmidt got older, then they appreciate the fact that he was the greatest third baseman that ever played. Um, and that's kind of how Jack, you know, Jack was the guy who was beating Arnie. So everybody hated him. Fat Jack. And then when Jack got older, that people were like, Oh my God, this guy's like Jack Nicholas. You know, like, um, and I think there was some of that with Tiger. There was people who were always going to hate him because he was outspoken. He was black, and um, he didn't conform to you know he wasn't huggable. No. Well, Jack wasn't huggable for a while, and now no. But Jack's- the one thing Jack always was was Jack was always graceful in his in his losses. Oh well, I mean, I think Tiger's graceful in his losses. I don't think you know Tiger was never a bad loser. He didn't like losing. Jack didn't like losing. Right. No guy likes losing. LeBron doesn't like losing. Jordan hated losing, as we saw. Jordan wasn't a good guy. No. He still isn't a good guy. If that documentary showed us anything, is that he was a prick. Yeah. But but he won six. That's the reason he won six titles. Mm-hmm. So God bless him. Tiger was a prick. Um, you know, I don't think Jack was that. I don't think anybody ever saw Jack that way. And what and what um, hurt and what hurt Tiger too when compared to Jack was Jack had Arnie, Jack had Trevino. Jack had Watson. Jack had yeah. better foils than Tiger did. Well, but then again, as I, as I said, you know, people used to knock Tiger. I always remember this. He never won. He never came from behind to win. I said, well, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. That means he was 14-0 and 0 in tournaments he was leading. That's, I said, which is, is unbelievable. Yeah. I said, Jordan played. I went back and looked this up. Jordan played in three game sevens and I think two game fives. And he was two and three in those games. Mm-hmm. Did anybody knock Michael Jordan nope. for beating the crap out of you so he didn't have to go to a game seven? No. So why am I beating Tiger up? Because on Friday and Saturday, he was beating the crap out of him. Nah, nah, nah. Those, those are just people who are who want a reason to, to whatever. But get, getting back to, like, what the future holds for Tiger, the right now the only thing anybody, and I'm sure t- in Tiger – should be thinking about is getting better as a as a as a physical specimen, n- not to play golf. And if God forbid, if golf is in his future at some point, whether it's as a senior tour guy or whether it's you know two years from now actually playing on the PGA tour and trying to compete at that level, which is hard when you're a 48 year old guy anyway. I mean, yeah. look at Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Phil has his moments yeah. when he can be competitive, but and. Phil's never had a major injury. I mean, I know he has the arthritis thing, but I don't think Phil's ever had a major injury that I can think of. Not, not um, Tiger did. No, you know, and that's where my, that's where my mind sort of goes at this point. Is I think these injuries are a lot worse than people might think. Yep. Um, be, because and again, I think of Alex Smith. Yep. 
I, that's the only thing that I can compare it to. And I hope he doesn't have to go through everything Alex Smith went through because that was horrible. Um, but, you know, I, I guess we'll find out more as we go along. Um, it's a shame. You think of all the things that's happened to this guy, Kevin. Yeah. And I know some of them were self-induced. I get it. And, I'm, you know, some of the things were self-induced. He's had his problems. But, man, this just seems like he was trying to get somewhere and going too fast. And, got, you know, thank God nobody else got hurt. Yeah. You I know, um, I don't know. So don't... so next week we're back on Wednesday um, because I'll be done all my school stuff and everything. We're going to do one show next week, then we'll get into two the following week with uh, – with uh, we have some guests already lined up. We're looking at some stuff for college basketball. We're looking at some stuff with uh, baseball getting going here, and we'll get a couple of NBA people in as well to discuss those things. So uh, keep track on our Twitter feeds. We'll uh, give you updates on where things are. Uh, but today was a good show. I thought I thought uh, Congressman Boyle was was fun and it was different, and uh, I didn't mind doing a uh, fun. And hard, hard to believe, you know, he was sitting in that office there. Yeah. Hard to believe that we got to Capitol Hill, buddy. We no, got to almost, Capitol Hill. No, <laughs> but it's been almost two months since January 6th. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's amazing yeah. when you think about it, that it was that long ago. Um, You know, you, when I think of January 6th, Kevin, I think what I'm always going to think of is how much worse it could Could've have been. been. Yeah, I agree. As bad as it was. How much worse that could have turned into, like, let's say for sake of argument, you ended up with 15 or 20 people dead or seriously hurt, and some of them were senators or, or, or Congress people. I mean, how would the country have recovered from that? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know either. That's um, you know, beyond my pay grade, man. But, but, but we're, we're, thanks to, to Congressman Boyle. Again, our offer stands. Any Republican that wants to come on and talk sports primarily, we will gladly have him on. If the former mayor of Philadelphia, who was a Daily News columnist, wants to come on, Michael, have him on, correct? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd love to have Mayor Kenny on. You would? You know, talk just talk sports. Don't, you know, um, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Could you sit through a whole Mayor Kenny interview without bringing up the soda tax? Yeah, I would. Okay. No, because I I would not. It, it would not be fair. Okay. For me, it would it would be like if I had a Republican guy on talking and Trump. brought up Donald Trump. Trump right. That that's not fair. No, you're right. That that isn't fair to that person, and it, and it's not right. Um. And yeah, as much as I don't, you know, what am I gonna say, Mayor? Mayor you know, you, get, you I hate the soda tax. You got no, 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 no. If it was something pertinent, like talking about you know the covid situation like you said yeah. or the putting people in the stands that's a legitimate question well, for and, him. and i've told you know i've had a, this in my head i've had this list of people i would love to have on the show and some are realistic and some are not realistic dr fauci is not realistic uh mm-hmm. joe buck is not probably realistic um but hey you know i the, you know jim kenny would be interesting yeah but and to be fair to Jim Kenny, Jim Kenny's probably got a lot more things on his plate right now yeah. than you and I. And yeah. I and I totally, totally, totally. Yeah. I, and I think Brendan, being a Northeast Philly guy, yeah, you know, 
it made sense for him, and, and he seemed very at home. And he, and he, it sounded like he had fun, and I'm glad about that. And that's all I want. You know, look, you can yeah. disagree with these people politically and everything. The idea is let's have fun and let's talk. Let's We're all not going to agree on everything, nope. and that's fine. That's what this country is about. And, 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 you know, sometimes I may be right, sometimes I may be wrong. And, and there's people that may say Mike's an idiot. And, that, and that's perfectly fine. That That's, uh, you know, but, you know, I've just seen too many things that I, I, I say, well, how can you explain that? Just explain that to me. You know, I was on the phone with a friend of mine who's, and I said, you know, and, and he still thinks the election was stolen and the, and the people were just, and I said, okay, but explain to me. Just explain it to me that yeah. makes sense that Republicans don't cheat, but Democrats do. Yeah. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I said, yes, that's exactly what you're saying. <laughs> that is exactly what you're saying. By the way, for the record, I've never called you an idiot. But it's okay if you do, oh. and there's times when I am. I, it, 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 I, I get it, it <laughs> but um, I, I'm smart enough to understand that I am. Yeah. You know, that if I talk about Jack in the Box, and I have fun with it, but I'm just saying, there's things, you know, you, you have your thing with, with certain issues, and and, and I'm like, yeah, you're right, but it's not going to change it. Um, you know, we all have those things. Yeah, we have when, and if I listen to yeah. if I listen to enough talk radio, I'm going to hear enough things that I'm going to say, oh my god, are we going there again? Yep. Like, why are we going there? You know, I mean, the, the Carson Wentz stuff. Could, yes, I know. Well, no, but the thing with Bryce Harper calling out Clentac, and you know, some people taking real exception to that. Some people say, I, I, I don't know what's right or wrong anymore. I really don't. Uh, but I think we live in an age where everybody, you know, there's hot points and hot topics and people are trying to get ratings. So let's talk about this. Okay, fine. Hot uh, takes. Whatever. Hot takes. Yeah. I mean, Carson's gone. He's gone. And we're going to be talking about it for years because of whatever happens with the Eagles quarterback situation, whatever happens with Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about Howie Roseman. We're going to be, you know, certain things are not going to go away. No, nope. They just aren't. And that's why there's talk radio. So, All right. So. I will see you on Wednesday. We will talk then. Is that cool? Yep. All right. Thanks to our good. Thanks to our Congressman Brendan to Congressman Brendan Boyle for joining us. Thanks to Mike for joining us. Thanks to you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. This is Work in the Beat. Well, you went.